you turn it with me in your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Luke 14. We're going we're gonna to start out by looking at this, this odd thing that Jesus says. I don't know if I've ever preached on this little section. It usually gets kind of skipped over. Um, but today, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about building something. So what I want you to start thinking about before we, re- we read what Jesus said. I want to talk to you about building something. So if you remember last week, we talked about the greatness that's inside of you. And that there is greatness inside of every one of you. There's, there's this greatness. And um, the greatness isn't your five minutes of fame or, or like we talked about last week, the six minutes that LeBron James has in his hand. That's not the greatness. It's all the things that happen leading up to that. It's, it's how well do you make the people around you play? Do you cause others to rise up to a level of greatness? So we talked about that greatness inside of you. Well, today my question is, what are you building? First of all, you need to know you are building something. With your life, you're building something, whether you know it or not. And I know I've talked to some people that say, oh, I just like to go with the flow. I'm chill. And I want you to know today that if you just go with the flow, that you will naturally gravitate to the lowest form of existence possible. Like we as Christians, I can't find it anywhere throughout the Gospels or throughout Paul's teachings to the the church. We're never supposed to be just go with the flow like water down the river. We're supposed to be more like the salmon trying to swim upstream as long as we can. We can't, you can't just go with the flow or you'll end up in the lowest place possible. The lowest expectations possible for your life. Why? Because you never had the courage to step out. You never had the faith. You never had trust. You you let fear rule you and dictate you. You let laziness Stop you. What are you building? What are you going to build in 2021? Think about that. You're going to build something. What is it? What are you going to build? Are you going to build a better life? Are you going to build a new you? That's possible. You can do that. But not without planning it. Not without, as we're about to see Jesus said, without counting the cost. You could build a new you. Are you going to build a legacy? You going to build a dynasty? A legacy is all about what can I give? What can I leave? A dynasty is all about what can I get? Dynasty is about me. Legacy is about what can I leave? What are you going to build? What do you expect out of 2021? What are your expectations? What do you expect to get in your life, in your marriage, on your job, in your church, in your ministry, in your family, with your health, with your body, with your finances? What do you expect? It's important. It matters. What do you expect? What are you building? Do you like your life? Don't raise your hand. Do you like your life? 
And you, some of y'all are probably answering in your own head, yes, no, sort of, maybe some parts of it. Hopefully you do. But I want you to understand that you built it. Year after year, relationship after relationship, gift after gift, choosing to heal or not heal, choosing to get bitter or better, choosing to grow or not grow, season after season, year after year, you've built it. And, and it's crazy because sometimes we don't realize we're building something. It's just a moment. It's just what I feel like doing right now. But we're building our future every day. And we're not promised tomorrow, so today's the only day we know we have. So what are you going to build today? And I hope you have tomorrow to build on that. And I hope you have the next day. But we can't just procrastinate. We can't just put it off. It's too many people have gone on and never really built anything. Never left a mark. Never changed the world. Look what Jesus said. In Luke 14, 28. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. And then I'm going to read it to you in the King James. They both They worded a little bit different, but... We're going to read message and then King James. Is there anyone here? Wait, I should tell you to give you a little bit of context. If you go read this, <laughs> Jesus was talking to a group of people. And this is the first part of this chapter is pretty familiar. It's where Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you, want to, you need to come and deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And then the part we're about to read, he says... And then right after that's the super famous part about the reckless love and where he talks about the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, all that. Talks about the grace and how God saved us and went after the, the one lost sheep. But this is kind of right in between, and so we skip over it. We're like, deny yourself, take up your cross. Yep, and then lost coin, lost sheep, lost boy. But look what Jesus says in between. After talking to them about taking up their cross, taking on their purpose, being his disciples, Jesus said this, is there anyone here... Who planning to build a new house? A new house. You want to build a new you, a new house. Doesn't first sit down and figure the cost. Doesn't sit down and think about how much it's going to cost you. The money, the time, the sacrifice. Like, what's it going to cost to build a new house? What's for somebody like Amanda, it may cost her both. If she decided to build a new house. Jesus said, who here wouldn't sit down and count the cost if you decided you're going to build a new house? And I hope you know that Jesus isn't talking about building a house. A natural physical house out, out in the pasture. If you read it in context, he's talking about your purpose. He's talking about a meaningful life. Who's going to build a meaningful life? Who's going to walk in purpose? Who's going to follow in my footsteps and do what I came to do? I took up my cross because that was my purpose. Now who's going to come and take on their purpose? That's what he's talking about. So who would build a new house and not figure the cost? So you'll know if you can complete it. 
if you only get the foundation laid and then you run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. And anyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Ha ha, Jesus said, everybody's going to make fun of you. Everybody that walks by. (laughs) He started something he couldn't finish. Have you ever been there? You ever started something and you just couldn't finish? Like, it started out good. I started out strong. I thought I was supposed to build this new house. Like, my marriage started out good and then I just, I couldn't finish. I couldn't be the husband I was supposed to be. It ended not how it was supposed to. And you feel like everybody's making fun of you. Well, I started this ministry and I feel like I got a good foundation and and God told me to start this ministry and then I didn't lead well. It it fell apart. I didn't finish. I didn't do what I was supposed to do and now I feel like everybody's laughing at me. And I can go on giving more and more examples because we've probably all felt that way in some area or another. You start out strong. Hey, hey, I got sober and I was sober for six months and I built that foundation and I loved the taste of freedom and felt God start to use me and then I didn't finish building the new me, the new house. Look how King James words it. Those same three verses. For which of you intending to build a tower? A tower. I like that better than a house sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it Jesus is saying you need to sit down and think about what's it going to cost the life I want the ministry I want like what sacrifices is it going to require plan it expect it Do, do I have enough to finish do I have what it takes Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Ha ha ha. He started building a new life. He got a good foundation. And then that's it. Oh yeah, I'm sure Jesus died on the cross for him. He's going to heaven, but... <laughs> He ain't leaving nothing behind. Never did anything to to bless humanity or, or change the world or even leave a mark. When Jesus uses the metaphor of building a house or a tower, we understand that he wasn't talking about an actual building. He was talking about our lives and the journey that we will all have to take I'm dealing with the question, will I finish the work which I was created for? Will I finish the race, Paul called it, this race? Will I finish and and will I get a prize? In other words, Paul was saying like, not only can I finish the race, but could I win? Am I willing to pay the price to be a winner? And all that God has for me. Will I finish the race? Could I win? If, if you want to build a tower, 
If you want to build a life worth remembering, if you want to leave a legacy in the kingdom of God, you must decide whether you can finish it. See, we all want the tower. We all want the house. Of course, sign me up. And a lot of times we see the tower as fame. Or we see the tower as money or success or power or just happiness. Yeah, if I can just get this new tower built, the new me, the new house, it'll, it'll bring happiness. It'll, it'll finally, I'll be fulfilled. I'll, everybody will look at it and say, whoa, look at Dusty's tower. Wow. I got to lose some weight because right now the me I've built is more like a warehouse. <laughs> I'm going for tower this year. Oh, look at Dusty's tower. <laughs> and that throws us off. Because we want the tower. But we don't want the work. We're not willing to sacrifice what it will take to build that kind of tower. Do I want an 80-year wonderful marriage. Well, it's going to take 80 years. It's, it's going to take the work. If that's the tower you want, Jesus said, count the cost. Make sure you're willing to put in the sacrifice. Sacrifice of what? Money? Yeah. Feelings? Yeah. Sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice some feelings to build the tower or the house. There's going to be mornings you don't feel like getting up working on the tower. There will be days. Mama said there will be days like this. There will be days like this, my mama said. <laughs> I apologize. So what do you want? Have you ever wanted a better life for someone else? I have a lot. Have you ever wanted a better life for someone else than they wanted for themselves? Now that's frustrating. I've done it so many times. You want to just shake somebody. Come on. you don't go. Like you wanted a better life for them than they even wanted for themselves. And I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't work. You can't make somebody else build a new them. You can't make somebody else count the cost to build their tower, their purpose. Because then you're not building your tower and you're not walking in your purpose. Because you're so focused on them and their tower and their purpose. And you will live an unfulfilled, frustrated life. Trying to make somebody else build their tower. That's not what we're called to do. That's not what Jesus said to do. If you don't decide the life you want, you will never have the life you want. You will just have the life you can. You'll just have what comes to you. You'll just take it. Your tower, it can't be your accomplishments. That can't be your tower. Because when somebody's going to always come along and beat your accomplishments, one-up you. 
always. I don't care what record you set. It's only a matter of time. Somebody's going to beat it. And I don't care what area you can talk about sports or sales or jobs or ministry or doesn't matter. Like you can set records and they'll go away. That, that can't be your tower. It can't be in your accomplishments. You'll only hold a record for so long. Your tower must be about people. About relationships that you make along the way, about the community, about the good that you do. It's about what you gave. Your tower should make the world a better place. If it's a God purpose and a God vision, and it'll make the world a better place. It's not just about you. And as I thought about that, and Jesus Jesus always gives us these metaphors about building, and we, we know that Jesus was a carpenter, and a lot of the scholars believe that Jesus was a stonemason, not a carpenter. Um, either way, Jesus talks about building a lot and, and building and gives us all these metaphors and stuff, but Jesus didn't ever build anything that we know of. I would think if he did, we would probably think like it was awesome and it'd be this cool structure or temple or built. We don't know of anything that Jesus ever built. He didn't break any world records or he didn't build any buildings or houses that we know of. He, Jesus didn't even write a book. He had, other people wrote down all this, what we're reading. Some of the things he said are in here, but Jesus never even wrote a book. I like how, I guess just because I'm a pastor, people expect that I'm going to write a book. So you don't know how many times people have asked me that. You're going to write a book? When you going to write a book? <laughs> Y'all want to read it. It's going to need a lot of proofreading, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you might need a spell check, word check. Uh, fact check. Wow. <laughs> hey, Dusty, you going to write a book? And I said, nope. I want to live like Jesus. I want to live my life in such a way that other people can write books about me. Right? I want to live such a selfless, generous life that y'all have to write the book. And maybe that's your tower. And maybe my tower will be to write a book one day, but not this year. I got a different tower to build. Jesus lived in such a way that books were written about him. Thousands of years later, we're still talking about him. You build what you love. And Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus told us that he's going to build the church. Not a building. People. And not an individual isolated person off somewhere by themselves. That's not the church. Church is the ecclesia. And it means when we come together. When we connect we serve that's the church it's not a building it's not a place
It's when we come together as living stones, like Peter called it. When we gather and connect and serve, for what purpose? To change the world. Colossians tells us that Jesus is the head and the church is the body. So you could say Jesus is a bodybuilder. You can see what you love or worship by looking at what you build. The longer you live your life, people can step back and look at your life and they can tell what you loved by what you've built. They can tell what you worship and where your sacrifices went. Look at Jeremiah 2, 4. Jeremiah 2, 4. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. It says, Hear God's message, house of Jacob. Yes, you, house of Israel. God's message. What did your ancestors find fault with in me? That they drifted so far from me took up Sir Windbag and turned into windbags themselves. The New Living Translation says that they worshipped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. You worship something long enough, you start to look like it. You place it up on a pedestal, you, you start to look like it. You become more and more like what you idolize, what you pay homage to. You start to look like the thing that you love the most. You know, people that have been married for a long time, I was looking at this study on this, and people that have been married for a long time, they start to look more and more like each other. And so they were showing like these older couples that have been married for a really long time. <laughs> and... And they look like brothers and sisters. You're like, what? Did they used to marry their brothers and sisters back in the 30s? No. They just loved each other so much. And over the years, they ate the same diet. They did the same kind of things. They loved each other. And you just look more and more like the thing that you love the most. For some of y'all, that's good news. And for some of you with the ugly spouse, I'm sorry. Most of you ladies, that's bad news. Most of you guys, it's probably good news. <laughs> I'm just saying. You look more and more like the thing that you love the most. You know how some people worship alcohol? They set it up on a pedestal. They let it control them and... They give it their time, their money, they bow down, they pay homage, they idolize it. And here's what happens. Whatever it is, I mean, we can talk about alcohol for a minute if that's your issue that's controlling you, and maybe it's not. But it's an easy one to pick on. Because here's what will happen. You'll run to it in good times. Let's celebrate. When you're happy, you run to it. 
Well, what happens in bad times? You run to it. To numb the pain. And it becomes a go-to when you're tired. You train yourself what you will run to when you're tired. That's why people say stuff like, oh, I could tell by looking at him. He was an alcoholic. You start to look like it. So I want to ask you an important question. When you are tired, when you're hurting, when you're weary and thirsty, what well do you sit at? Where do you hide? What source do you run to for a drink when you need to be refreshed? What or who do you worship? Don't worship the tower. Don't rely on the tower to bring you happiness. That's not what Jesus was talking about. I mean, it will. The tower, it will bring you happiness, but it can't be your source. It was never intended to be the source of your happiness. It's your purpose. It's the reason. So Jesus said, you must sit down and count the cost. How odd that Jesus is telling us to count the cost when considering the life that we want to build. So often when we talk about Jesus, we act like everything's paid for. There's nothing to do. If you try to do anything, it works. Don't do anything. But then here and in several other places, it seems like Jesus is telling us to do something. To count the cost. Uh, just a few verses before this, to take up your cross. To, to do these things and... And so it can get confusing. And I've heard people say, people have said this to me, I, I don't want to turn it into works. So I'm not going to put those rules on myself. And we use that as an excuse to never do anything for God. I think it's a misunderstanding of grace. See, grace is this beautiful concept that you are loved without condition. And that's true. And that nothing you can do can make God love you more and nothing you could do can make God love you less. True. 100%. That's grace. Your worth comes from your maker. True. You don't get value from what you've been through or who you are or what you've done or haven't done or... You get your value from God. That's grace. Your worth comes from your maker. But what grace is not is a loophole around the, the sacrifice and the determination and the sweat and blood that may be necessary to live out the life that God created you to live. You need to decide not only what you want but determine what it's going to take to get it 
Faith is not an excuse. You do not need to take up His cross. That's what we do. We, we, Jesus said take up His cross. And you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you got to take up. And, and we try to take up His cross. Well, my purpose isn't to get crucified on a cross for all of y'all. Like, I don't have to take up His cross. In fact, that's an insult. It's a slap in his face because that's me saying, I don't trust that what you did was good. Hey, Jesus, I appreciate you dying for my sin and your blood being shed to cover everything I ever did. But here, I'm going to do a little something to make it work too. If I see you in Walmart and offer to pay for your groceries and I walk up and I pay the cashier for all of your groceries and then you say, well, I feel like I need to still pay some too and you hand her another 20, I'm going to be mad. Already paid. So it's an insult for us to waste time trying to pay for things that Jesus already paid for. For us to carry His cross. He didn't say, take up my cross and follow me and do what I do. He said, take up your cross. And the word that was translated cross there, it means purpose. He's not talking about you taking up a wooden cross and getting nailed to it he's talking about your purpose in life the tower that you'll build the people that you'll reach take up your cross see I took your cross of sin so that you could take up the cross of purpose and do what I've called you to do step into it well, if you're working so hard, where's your faith? I'm working so hard because of my faith. And the funny thing is, as I thought about this, the whole concept of building and what life do I want to build and what kind of ministry are we building and community are we building, all these things. And, and I thought about it, how it's funny that we don't do this in other areas. Like we don't imagine a tower or something that we would like to build and then not count the cost or not take the steps of obedience to walk towards it. Like if I tell you that God called me to be a doctor and then I just wait around for the magical miracle dust to sprinkle on me and I become a surgeon, no, I have to go to medical school for a really long time. Like you, in other areas, that's obvious. That seems like, yeah, no kidding. You're not operating on me. But for some reason in the faith world, we're like, yeah, God said I'm going to do this. And then we don't count the cost or take the steps to do this. So 10 years from now, we've got a foundation, a vision, a goal, a dream of something that there and we didn't go to medical school so we still can't do surgery Jesus said count the cost but don't talk about this big tower that you're going to build and then wait on God to build it get a hammer he's going to build it but he's going to use you that's what he does
Some of y'all keep cashing in your future for your present. You keep settling for instant gratification. You know it takes a hero to die a hero's death. We're not promised tomorrow. So do it now. What will you build today? My prayer, what I've been praying for us, I've been praying for our church and for myself and my family. And, and I prayed God give us greater victories than we've ever known. And I felt like God said, you realize what that means? I'm going to send bigger giants than you've ever slain. <laughs> Just kidding. Give us smaller victories. Right? One of my prayers, I prayed the, last week we talked about the giving and how much we were able to give as a church. And one of my prayers was, God, let us give more this year than we've ever given before. And he's like, it's going to take greater sacrifice than you've ever given before. Okay. I pray, God, let us see healing on a greater level than ever before. And God reminded me that to see that greater healing, you will have to know great pain. So what do you expect? What do you expect God to do in your life in 2021? Do you expect great victories? Do you expect great healing? Do you expect to see Him come through on your behalf? Philippians 1.20 Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but we'll have sufficient courage. You don't expect to have sufficient courage if you don't expect to need sufficient courage. There's going to be some things coming. You're going to need courage because they're going to scare you. And I expect that when the time comes, I'll have the courage that I need. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you. Oh, Paul had gotten to this place of maturity where he knew the tower that he was building, the house that he was building, it wasn't a natural tower. It was about the people. It was about the church. It'd be better for me to just go on to heaven is what he's saying, but necessary for you that I remain in the body because y'all still need me convinced of this I 
I know that I will remain. I know that I'll remain. Why? Because he expected to. I expect life. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Paul was so full of life that it didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter what they did to him. You know, Paul wrote this letter when he was in jail. And it didn't even matter because he realized it all works out. It all works together. If they put me in jail, I'll preach, I'll worship, I'll write letters, I'll I'll change the atmosphere of the jail. If they beat me, I'll use the scars as an illustration. See, they tried to shut me up and they gave me a voice. I'm getting stronger and stronger. My tower's getting bigger and bigger, Paul could have said. It's life and life. See, I don't know about you, but that part where Paul said, I'm torn between the two. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I I don't know about y'all, but I'm not torn. You torn? I'm good here. I'm going to stay alive for a little while. I'm not done building my tower. But Paul wasn't saying it's hard to choose. I'm torn between choosing from life and death. He was saying it's life and life. For me to live is life. Doesn't matter what they do to me. I'm just getting bigger and bigger. For me to die, it's gain. It's it's even better. He said, for to me, I know y'all aren't all there yet. But for me, I don't even have a choice anymore. It's life and life. If I live, it's life. If I die, it's life. If I'm locked up, it's life. No matter what the circumstances is. It's okay. We have more technology and science trying to figure out how to to live longer. And all we're doing is existing. We need science looking at how to live well. He said, I expect to need courage. And I expect to live. He wasn't saying, should I live or should I die? He said, for me, death isn't even an option. That's not even an option anymore. For me, it's, it's life or life. The more I sacrifice, the more I gain. My reach, my voice, my influence, my hope, my love, my strength, my joy. My world just keeps getting bigger and bigger. For to me... To live is Christ, to die is gain. It's life and life. This is where I am. And I expect it out of you. That's what Paul was saying to the Philippians. Right? This is where I am and this is what I expect from you. As a spiritual father, he's calling it out. His expectations of them. 
So what do you expect? Pete Rose was interviewed in spring training the year that he was about to break Cobb's all-time hits record. The reporter said, Pete, you only need 78 hits to break the record. How many at-bats do you think it will take to get 78 hits? And without hesitation, he said, 78. The reporters laughed and chuckled, and that reporter said back, Oh, come on, Pete. You don't expect to get 78 hits in 78 at-bats, do you? And then Pete shared his philosophy with the reporters. Every time I step up to the plate, I expect to get a hit. And if I don't expect to get a hit, I have no right to step into the batter's box in the first place. If I go up hoping to get a hit, then I probably don't have a prayer to get a hit. It is a positive expectation that has gotten me all of these hits in the first place. You see, you won't get all that you expect. I'm not telling you that everything you expect for next year, you're going to get it. But your expectation will be the ceiling for all that God will do. You need to expect to win. You need to expect that you'll have courage. Expect to need courage. You need to expect God to come through because He said He would. I don't hope that I'm going to be a good father next year. Well, I hope I am. I hope I don't screw that up. No, I expect to be a good father. There are things in your life you need to switch it from a hope Put expectations on yourself. I expect that I will be a good husband next year. I expect that I will be a better pastor next year than I am this year. I expect great things. And this is where I am, and this is what I expect out of you. That's what Paul said. And that's what I'm saying to you. Expect great things. Don't settle. I'll read you one more scripture and, and we're done. We'll close. It's Psalm 37. David wrote this. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So David's saying, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Or he will place those the desires in your heart. I will give you the desires of your heart. I'll place them there. But that doesn't mean they will come to pass. Just because you got a desire in your heart doesn't mean it'll come to pass. Trust me, I had a whole bunch of them. They didn't all happen. Yeah, everybody wants a tower. It doesn't just happen. That second verse we just read tells us if you will commit your way. What does that mean? The things that you do. Sit down and count the cost. 
Think about it. What are the steps that I need to take? If you will commit your way, the things that you do, your path, the journey. You know it's not about the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Because there may not be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's not where you find happiness is in that pot of gold and searching for it. Where you find happiness is gathering up all your friends and making relationships and heading out on that journey together. And you know that along the way you're going to laugh so hard you cry and there's going to be pain and you're going to help each other up and you're going to keep searching for that pot of gold and, and, and whether you end your life and you found the pot of gold or you didn't find the pot of gold doesn't really even matter because it was about the journey. It was about the search. That's where the happiness comes from. It's not from finding the pot of gold. At the end, who cares? So commit what you do and and trust in Him. And He'll bring it to pass. He'll make it happen. If you'll commit what you do and trust Him, He'll make it happen. God didn't just save us from something or to something, but for something. When Jesus died, everything changed. And it's our mission and purpose to serve and love and reach and give and sacrifice and shine. No matter how long or short our time is. Frodo said, I wish this ring never came to me. And Gandalf said, no one gets to pick the times that they're handed. You just do the best with the time that you are in. So here we are. We're in some difficult, crazy times. Some unexpected moments have hit us last year and this year. and Some crazy times, we don't get to pick that. But I want you to know it's not an accident that you were alive in this moment in history. You have a tower to build. You have a purpose and a reason. What do you expect? What will you choose? Fear, faith, love, or hate? You get to choose. Paul expected great things out of the Philippians, and I expect great things out of you. We will go to war on behalf of humanity because that's what Jesus did. You know, younger brother just does what the older brother does. What did Jesus do? He sacrificed everything all the way up to the end. Why? For love. So that we could be part of the family. Great sacrifice equals great love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You build what you love. And when you look back on your life, it's obvious what you loved. Some people love stuff, and they got a whole bunch of nice stuff. Some people love fame, and they spend their whole life chasing it. Some people love education, and some people love family. I can look on your Facebook page for a little bit and 
the page that you have built and tell you what you love. Doesn't take very long. You are a creator, created in his image, and you are building something. So what do I expect out of this year? I expect great things. And I expect God to be there every step of the way. I expect to laugh until I can't breathe. And I expect dragons, giants. And I expect to win. And I expect to have sufficient courage for the things that we will face. And one day when we look back on our lives as a church, as a community, as leaders, we'll look back and tell stories about the great battles that we won on behalf of humanity, on the lives that we changed. And we point at the towers and say we finished the work. There's nothing to be ashamed of because our God came through. And we're going to find a whole lot of happiness along the way and healing and hope and freedom and strength. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, we expect great things. We're not going to just sit back and expect you to, to build our tower. We thank you for grace and mercy and for the price that you paid. And you took care of the things that we couldn't pay for. But that's not going to keep us from stepping out. From sacrificing. To be what you've called us to be. You took up your cross, so... And we're going to take up our cross because we want to look like you. We want to change the world. We want to make a difference. We want to leave a mark. So God, this year we're going to give bigger than we've ever given before. This year we're going to hope. And this year we will lead the way and we will shine. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen.